0: This is a download from BFM 89.9, the business station. Hi, I'm Hanif Baharuddin, and this is Gigi Well Played, the show that talks about all things video games. We'll be rounding up some of the biggest news and releases from the month of April with Jonathan Liu from Kakuchapuri.com. Let's start with the news.
1: It's actually a lot. In fact, I may need to touch upon a bit of important news that came out right after the last recording. Like, there's actually just a bunch of key stuff that happened. So, at the tail end of March, there were two big pieces of news that popped up. So, firstly, famous indie developer Mohamed Fami, who made Coffee Talk, has passed away late, late March. He was 32. He died from an asthma attack, unfortunately. Um, He survived by his family, his sister... The game industry in South Asia has mourned for him to the point where there was actually a fundraiser sale for Coffee Talk and what comes after two of his beloved famous games with proceeds going to Fami's family. I personally didn't meet him myself, but I know a couple of my friends and indie game developers who loved his company and loved talking with him, especially about anime waifus and video game waifus and, you know, you know retro RPGs and classic games, so he will be missed. Now, the second piece of news is E3 2022 being cancelled for this year. It might be delayed to next year, but it looks like a lot of like sources here and there have been stating that E3 may be a bust because of people... Because without the vendors and without the publishers around E3 is literally nothing. It's just an empty show floor. And a lot of these publishers and developers know how to make their own press conferences and their own video presentations like Nintendo has been doing for quite a while and plus Jeff Keighley's Summer Games Festival I don't know the correct name of that but I just call it the Jeff Keighley Show <laughs> basically is the replacement for that so take of that what you will we don't know what happens in the future but definitely no E3 2022 this year but the replacements will be doing a better job in my opinion like anyway
0: no E3 at all meaning no no not even the virtual event right?
1: Uh, No virtual event, no physical event, nada, nothing. It's only like these other events, which are basically the same as E3, but arguably more cloud and more developers and more publisher support. So there is going to be a big video games festival where a lot of trailers and video game announcements are going to happen, definitely for this year. It just won't be called E3. Or it won't be involving the ESRB or ESA.
0: Mm. Oh, that's going to be interesting. Yeah, considering that, I think, yeah, eventually, I think maybe we have to move forward from, I guess, even thinking about E3. Because we tend to, I think, traditionally still think about E3, right?
1: Yeah, yeah. Well, but we've already moved forward for the past few years. I don't know if E3 has ever been relevant since, even before COVID struck, it has kind of lost its luster and relevance. I remember Jeff Keeley from the Summer Games show he did say that he did try to work with E3 at one point, but he had to bail out months before the show because they couldn't see eye to eye. I mean, there's actually a lot of stuff that happened behind the scenes I can't get to, but generally that impetus that happened like a couple of years ago set the stage of what what, what has happened now, lah, basically. So this is just a eventual course of E3 being the dead dinosaur, basically, I guess at this point in time. <laughs> All right, so let's focus on the now, which is April. So... The Sonic Hedgehog Two movie is out now in Malaysian cinemas. It came out a couple of days ago on the twenty-first. With other markets showing the film a week or two ahead of schedule, the show has grossed over US two hundred and forty-six million worldwide since its early eighth April release. International numbers are US hundred and twelve million as we speak. I guess Sonic the Hedgehog Two is like the best video game movie in terms of box office numbers right now, as you speak. I believe this has beaten up Detective Pikachu in terms of, like, you know, early sales numbers. So that's really good news, lah, in that sense. So, yeah, this won't be the end of video game movies. But when it comes to video game movie adaptations that are good, or at least draw big numbers, that's... At least Sonic the Hedgehog 2 is a case for it. And, yeah, I should also mention, uh, speaking of Sega... Sega are planning on bringing back two of its franchises to create a quote-unquote super game that is kind of like a a Fortnite-style game like in terms of free-to-play. The two IPs they're going to bring back are Jet Set Radio and Crazy Taxi. I'm sure you've heard of these titles back in the day, in the 2000s. So Sega are basically digging up these two franchises and going to make super... Dear words, not mine. Super games out of it. So like box office AAA games that basically will last a very long time. Basically following the Fortnite model, not necessarily the Battle Royale format, but more like the free-to-play, you know, long-lasting life-service style format. So it's a bit odd that I'm hearing about this and then I'm very split on this. I mean, I do want to see Jet Set Radio and Crazy Taxi come back. But as like a full-fledged AAA combined life-service kind of deal, I don't know. I mean... I don't think I see Sega being the ones who can pull this off really well. I mean, they've they've been better doing, I guess, JRPGs with uh, Valkyrie Chronicles and doing action games like the Yakuza series. So, I hope this isn't a case of them biting off more than they can chew, but we'll see. We'll see. I mean, I, I I am how do you say cautiously optimistic. Again, I do like I do like these old games, but in this kind of new format, I'm not so sure. It could be just like a cash grab for all we know.
0: Yeah, that's the thing. I mean, I mean, I would be happy with just a, a, a remake of those two games or like a remaster of those two games, but they seem to be a bit more ambitious, I suppose. And yes. yeah, let's wait and see.
1: Yeah, a super game. That's what, that's what they say on the press release, super games. So it's insane that they come out with such a kind of technique. I mean, the way of actually spinning it, but it's... Yeah, I mean, why not just have it like a standalone i mean that's just what i would like to see like a remake that stands on its own and then when you can expand it with dlc instead of like having it as a live service style, i mean it's sounding more and more like a life service free-to-play style kind of experience like i guess a good example is sega's own fantasy star uh online 2 the the new one that the new, new new rpg that came out last year and the year prior the new genesis mode so i think they want to follow that model but we'll see So, another news is Monkey Island is making a return. It's getting a sequel. The game is called Return to Monkey Island and it will have the original writer and game designer Ron Gilbert on board. He is bringing his studio Terrible Toy Box to create the game along with Devolver Digital and Lucasfilm Games, with the latter owning the IP. So, the game itself is the... I mean, you know what the Monkey Island series is, right? It's the original adventure game that actually... Basically, it's revolutionary in the sense where it actually changed up how adventure games feel and play in the late 80s and early 90s on the PC. In fact, I think the very first Monkey Island, Secret Monkey Island, has been ported so many times. The sixth game, uh, Return to Monkey Island, is basically going to follow the story from Monkey Island 2, LeChuck's Revenge. So, because Ron Gilbert did state that he, is, he wants to actually bring back elements from Part 3, Part 4, and Part 5, but... In terms of story, he's going to continue it from part two. So it'll be interesting to see how this goes, especially with the fact that they're actually bringing in old creators Dave Grossman and the music makers Clint Bajakian, Peter McConnell and Michael Land back into this upcoming Monkey Island project. So have you played the old Monkey Island games before?
0: I don't think I have actually. But sounds sounds so interesting.
1: Yeah, 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 it is. They are interesting. If you can find like the PC ports of the the remakes of Monkey Island One and Two, you should try those. They're really well done. And uh, other news, we have the Xbox Game Pass and PC Game Pass officially coming out in Malaysia, Indonesia, Philippines, Thailand, and Vietnam. I think I've been telling you how great the Xbox Game Pass experience has been, right? Yeah. And then this time for the Malaysian version, you get to pay RM fifteen per month to play all the games on the Game Pass.
0: Oh, that's great. Wow, okay.
1: <laughs> on the flip side, PlayStation uh, Sony has announced that the PlayStation Plus three-tiered service will be out in Southeast Asia on the 23rd of May before everyone else in the market because everyone else is getting it I think a month later or a couple of days later. So the service offered, I guess the service itself it offers free games, not new launch games mind you, free games and classic games from the PlayStation library from one, two, and even the PlayStation 3, although the latter requires live streaming, streaming content. So the highest monthly cost for the service is drumroll, RM50 for the PS Plus premium version. You can actually scale it down to the lowest tier, but at the end of the day, I mean, after what I've mentioned about the Xbox Game Pass earlier on, it's not as cheap as the alternative, and you get launched day one games on the other service too. So, are you looking forward to the Patient Plus, the new revamp system?
0: Well, I was pretty excited when I found out about this, uh, but I guess we have options now, so it's worth considering. In fact, maybe we can do like another conversation where we talk about again, where we compare both services, right?
1: Um, I think it's only fair to make the comparison six months after, like because all these kind of live services they're gonna be kind of broken off the bat, hundred percent. If there's anything I learned from Diablo Three. 10 years ago, I know that stuff that's live and online from the get-go is not going to be, you know, perfect. So again, we'll give it like a six-month grace period before we can judge it fully. I mean, yes, we'll write about it in the initial launch, but you won't know how a live service like this can work unless it's been tested through actual market conditions Despite how... I mean, in fact, I don't think they even know, even announced the library. So I think PlayStation needs to actually hype it up further, like maybe announce what's promised early and then what's going to happen in the next six months or even the next 12 months. It needs to hype it up, basically. It needs to promise people and stick to their promises that, yes, these old classic games will be playable day one on the PlayStation Plus. Because it's sad that they cannot play launch games, but I would like to pay for this service if I can play my old PlayStation 2 and even my old PlayStation 1 RPGs like Vagrant Story, Valkyrie Profile 2, Silmeria, all three Shadow Hearts games or Rogue Galaxy, you know, all the old level five stuff that came out back then. Or heck, even Xeno Saga 1, 2, and 3. I don't like those games, but I do want to play them on the service just to so that I can make fun of them, you know? <laughs> That's all the deal. And even the old Castlevania games because at the time... When games are trying to be like Devil May Cry in the hyper action bit, a uh, Castlevania went that route and it was actually really fun. So yeah, I would like to play those old PS2 games on that service.
0: Mm, but regardless, I think it's it's, it's good to, it's very good news for gamers uh, in general that services like this is finally making its way to uh, our shores, right?
1: Yeah, but again, I want to actually see it and play it for myself before I can make any concrete judgment. But for now, Xbox Game Pass and PC Game Pass is still king at this point in time. Uh, any other news? We've got the latest Elden Ring speedrun record. You want to make a guess on what's the what's the fastest speedrunning technique is? At the time? Maybe around three hours? <laughs> no. Try six minutes and 59 seconds. So as of April 12th, uh, YouTube... Gamer by the name of Distortion2 has broken his own Elden Ring speedrun record, which is, again, 6 minutes and 59 seconds. This was an unrestricted speedrun, so he can save, quit the game, and come back again because the community have acknowledged how buggy the game is, in a sense. So, he exploited a lot of glitches. Basically, he'll go to one corner, he'll turn around, and then next thing you know, he teleports further on into the game. So, he exploited all the way, this all the way to the end of the game, where he ends up with... He did not actually fight any boss at all. Like, I don't think he fought anything or anyone when I checked the video. So, he basically just reached all the way to the last part where basically he touches the... I think he broke the ring or whatever to become the Elden Lord. And then that's it. The credits pop up. So... That's how he achieved it. 6 minutes, 59 seconds. For the long playthrough, I believe it's 49 minutes. Like if we're talking like from point A to point B, a few skips, a few bosses to fight here and there, it's 49 minutes. That's the shortest. But in terms of like unrestricted speedrun text with glitches, it's 6 minutes and 59 seconds. So you know like how speedrun you got like a couple of different categories. So right now we've got these two categories. So if you want to beat the Best speedrun, yeah, you have to beat six minutes, basically. Uh, close to seven minutes, basically. <laughs> yeah, it's crazy. I mean, again, this kind of games, like, from From Software, like, they're open-world game, and then they have a lot of these, like, little nooks and crannies to break through. So it makes sense to have a speedrun to be this glitchy and this um, savvy. It actually just shows that, yeah, you can break the game in certain different ways. So I guess Elden Ring will be, like, the talk of the town for the next few months in terms of, like, not just speedrunning, but also gameplay and updates.
0: Yeah, it'll be interesting to, to to follow the development of anything Elden Ring related, I suppose. <laughs> yeah, so are you a fan of Kingdom Hearts? Um, Played the first game, but I don't think I've finished it. But I've heard a lot of, I guess, notorious things about the franchise, especially with regard to the story. <laughs> uh,
1: yes, yeah, so you get ready to sort of have a soft reboot because Kingdom Hearts 4 is coming out. It's been announced during the middle of April through a Square Enix showcase. So the, the trailer itself showcases a, real, a realistic graphic style, which is actually one of the game's many worlds in this particular entry. I believe it's the afterlife of the game itself in that continuity. Donald and Goofy still have retained their look and they're actually, you know, they actually showed a glimpse of that at the end of that trailer. There's no release date, no console platform announced. It seems pretty early in development, but the gameplay where Sora is fighting against the Heartless with a new haircut and new shoes and whatnot... Yeah, it's uh, pretty cool. And I have actually seen live streams of grown men crying to the announcement of Kingdom Hearts 4. So the game has an effect on people, basically. Fanboys and fangirls alike. So that's cool.
0: The franchise is pretty, I guess, well-loved,
1: right? Yes, it is. Uh, despite how confusing it is, there's a lot of people who like this over Final Fantasy. Because of the Disney-Square-Enix mashup, the character designs, and Tetsuya Nomura basically going all out with the artwork and the story. He needs an editor, but at the point in time, you know what? These games sell a lot by name, so let him do what he wants, basically. Let him go wild. I mean, as long as he doesn't touch a Final Fantasy game, I'm fine. Let him handle his, you know, Kingdom Hearts game. And uh, speaking of eccentric Japanese developers, we have Hideo Kojima of Kojima Productions making a tweet of a picture of a PlayStation Studios uh, banner with the logo at the bottom and a row of games in different slides. So from the left side is Death Stranding, and then a couple of other titles from Days Gone, Ghost of Tsushima, Last of Us, and Astro Playroom. So a lot of the internet and people assume that, yes, Kojima Productions is now under PlayStation Studios as an exclusive studio. But after that post, Hideo Kojima followed up another post to clarify that, no, Hideo Kojima's studio is still an independent contractor, so he's not being bought by PlayStation or whatnot. But again, it kind of makes you wonder why he put up that post in the first place. I mean, probably to troll people, but you know, that's how it is. So unless it's about musical recommendations, you should not trust Hideo Kojima with whatever he tweets half the time. (laughs)
0: Yeah, that's the thing. I think even even like I think a couple of months ago, there were reports of perhaps him joining Microsoft as well. So like, I don't know why he decided to just randomly tweet out that that, that graphic.
1: I mean, hypothetically, he would be more towards PlayStation because most of his groundbreaking games, which is Metal Gear, I mean, probably Metal Gear Solid 1, is a PlayStation exclusive back in the day. As well as actually all, all, the, play, all, all the Metal Gear games, come to think of it, like Part 2, 3, uh, Guns of the Patriot. Yeah, uh, he has always been with PlayStation side for a while. So it only makes sense. I guess you could say like, if let's just say, let's just say if he was actually, his studio was bought by PlayStation Studios, I will not be surprised. I mean, it could be eventual. I mean, especially if, let's just say, Kojima Productions run out of money. Who knows, right? So they'll, they'll probably go that path. But generally, as far as I know, that particular post he did was just a troll post. That's it. So what isn't the troll news is the fact that Xenoblade Chronicles 3, an upcoming Nintendo Switch JRPG, is actually being pushed forward from September to 29 July. Oh, that's right. Usually it's the other way around, right? And to replace the September 9th release date, we have Splatoon 3, a shooter made for Nintendo Switch featuring paintball and children who can turn into squids. And the game is very charming. I mean, it had two sequels, so it only makes sense to make a third game. So yeah, it's good news for people who actually want a two major games coming out on the Nintendo Switch. So that's good news. That's very good news. I think I know a couple of friends who actually bought Nintendo Switch just because of these two updates. So it shows that there's a little bit of like staying power for the Nintendo Switch. And in bad news for CRPG PC gamers, Baldur's Gate 3 will only come out as a launch title in 2023. It was promised that the game will be coming out in late 2022, but due to setbacks in production, development, and tweaking from Larian Studios, it's only coming out in 2023. Probably late 2023. However, you can still play the game in early access mode right now. If you have Steam account, you got a PC, you can pay money to play the early access version right now. I believe it went through a recent update so it's not completely broken but obviously you can't finish a game lah but it's only like what one or two worlds open up right now so we'll see we'll see but you know it's sad if you want to actually play the full Baldur's Gate 3 experience you're gonna have to wait till next year. And I guess I got one last piece of news uh, from the esports circuit. The Mobile Legends MPL Malaysia Season 9 is ongoing right now this month in April. So the winners, the top two players, are going to be determined by the time this show is already out because at this point of recording, the match is happening right now as we speak. The top eight Malaysian teams from top to bottom are Toda, Orange Esports, Suhas Esports, Team Caracal, RED Esports Malaysia, Team SMG, Researchers Malaysia and Homeboys. So as we speak right now, Toda and Orange Esports are fighting for first and second place as we speak. I believe it's the best of five round of MLBB, uh, Mobile Legends.
0: That was Jonathan Leo from Kakuchopuri.com looking back at some of the biggest gaming news in the month of April. We're going to make way for some messages. After this, some of the games that were released this month including LEGO Star Wars, The Skywalker Saga, and Chinatown Detective Agency. Stay tuned, this is Gigi Well Played on BFM 89.9. BFM 89.9, you're listening to GG Well Played. I'm your host, Hanif Baharudin. Jonathan Leo from kakuchapuri.com joins me in our monthly roundup of news and games that were released this month. We've spoken about news earlier, so let's move on to the games that were released in April.
1: Uh, well, there isn't like a really big AAA game that's being made, making headlines from now, maybe in, even in the next few months, if I have to be honest I guess the biggest one right now is Lego Star Wars: The Skywalker Saga, which came out early this month on April. So, if you liked the Lego Star Wars games, this uh, Skywalker Saga is a huge improvement because of the controls, the combo system, especially you can do air combos now. And yeah, it actually it actually combines all the nine movies into a very coherent and humorous fashion. And you know, if you hated if you hated the recent trilogy, you'll love this game that's all I'm gonna say so it's, it's fun for the whole family to watch and play and it's got a cohesive storyline you get to play as all the different Skywalkers you've got Rey you've got Luke Skywalker Darth Vader spoiler alert <laughs> you know Anakin is Darth Vader yada yada and yeah it's it's fun you know if you like a, again it may not be for everyone especially those who want a challenge these games are made for family but if you've got like folks of your own if you've got like kids and whatnot Lego Star Wars the Skywalker Saga is the game to play with your family and friends it's a, it's a multiplayer experience and offline and everything.
0: Yeah, I had a look at the game and they seem to be, I guess, putting a lot of effort into it as well, right? I mean, you have voice voiceovers and then, like, yeah, literally playing the whole saga in one game. Granted, it's a LEGO version, but still.
1: Yeah, yeah, it's, it's really cute and, you know, like, bite-sized and everything. So it's very appropriate for an all-ages AAA experience. In terms of, like, other titles, we have got the Chrono Cross Radical Dreamers edition, which is a remaster of a PS1 RPG classic. I played Chrono Cross back in the day. I played this version. This version is still the great game that you remembered, except it runs like crap, unfortunately. The port actually runs less than 30 frames per second compared to the original. And it also has some compromises in terms of graphics and loading and some little bits here and there. But it's a lazy port, unfortunately. I have to call out Square Enix on this. As much as I love Chrono Cross as a great sequel, an important sequel that's kind of melodramatic with a lot of party members and nice action and great soundtrack. The port is less than ideal. I really hope Square Enix can fix this because they have actually done better jobs with the remaster. Like, I've enjoyed the Final Fantasy VI pixel remaster a lot because it's done with so much love and care. I don't know why they did this job so poorly with Chrono Cross. Mm. Was, was it Rush or something? I don't know if it's rushed or whether it's given less of a budget. I don't know what happen- what's going on behind the scenes. But the results speak for themselves. It's not a good port. It's not a good port. Uh, I can talk about better stuff, basically. Like, if you like adventure games that you have to do a lot of legwork for, you can play Chinatown Detective Agency, which is out on Xbox Game Pass... And of course, Xbox, console, Switch, and also on PC. It's a lovely looking 2D pixel art adventure game made by Singaporeans, and it's due to the style of Find the Answers Yourself games a la Carmen Sandiego. So, we play as a character named Amira Dharma, an ex cop who runs a private investigation firm in a rundown Chinatown shophouse in Singapore. She takes on cases and travels the world. So, of course, there's a lot of danger here and there. You even have to manage your own detective agency and make sure that you can pay your information brokers and your staff on time. And it's pretty awesome to actually see Singapore in a video game location context. Especially with the Singlish and Malay accents, it's got some great voice acting from local talents like Suling Chan and Stephen Bones, whom you may recognize from the Malaysian hit game No Straight Roads. The game may not be for everyone because you actually have to do a lot of like legwork and whatnot for the game's puzzles and problem-solving through Googling for solutions outside. And here, like an actual internet sleuth. But it is a unique cultural artifact from Southeast Asia because of the way it's being presented and created. So if you don't mind a Carmen Sandiego-style kind of game where you kind of have to do a lot of research outside of the game itself, you get have to have your browser on standby or on your mobile phone on standby. You, can, you should go and play Chinatown Detective Agency. It's worth, especially for adventure game fans.
0: Mm, yeah, it definitely looks, uh, I guess, interesting. And considering that, yeah, it, it's set in Singapore, I think it's worth checking out.
1: Oh, it is, it is. And there's also another Southeast Asian made game called anu Chart. This is also another cultural artifact of sorts from developer Stella Null, based in Indonesia. It stars a character called the Belt Wielder, who is given the task to bring the humble orchard farm to civilization greatness that was lost years ago. So you actually have to explore dungeons, rescue people, solve puzzles, and, you know, defeat bosses to bring the trap guardians back to relevance to make your civili- the anuchart civilization great again. So this game is actually tailored like a quintet trilogy RPG from the 90s where the actions that you perform and the puzzles that you solve will reflect upon the village that you stay in. So let's just say if you complete the first dungeon your village turns great. You actually have more crops and food being popped up. And then if you also conquer another dungeon, you get to see a lot of gold metal statues and plates being popped up here and there. And you actually get to upgrade your village to make it look more grand and dynastical and very in tune with how the civilization used to be. So that's a bit of like some, you know, that's actually a lot of questions about whether is it worth bringing back a civilization that destroyed itself in the first place. That's a lot of like little story and heavy bits being thrown here. That's a bit of humor in the game, in the story writing. But there's a bit of like some heavy subjects too. But it's touched upon lightly. This game is more like focused on the gameplay and the design itself rather than the story. But it's really fun. I mean, if you really want like an 8, 9, 10 hour experience with a 2D action RPG, you should try Anuchart. It's really lovely. I I recommend it. Yeah. And then there are two other games. Uh, 13 Sentinels has received a Nintendo Switch port recently. And when it came out on the PlayStation 4 a couple of years ago, I called it the greatest visual novel of our time. I guess for this generation, it's actually one of the best visual novels that happen to have like a real-time strategy mechanic to it. So it basically focuses around, around 13 protagonists in who are living in the 80s and then suddenly giant robots and monsters fly down from the sky to destroy the world. They have to figure out what's going on and try to solve the problem. It turns out that some of these children can, you know, pilot the robots... They're called Sentinels and then there's a big grand plot that's all around there which I'm not going to spoil because it's so great. It's worth 30 hours of your time. If you get if you have a Nintendo Switch and you need a visual novel that is probably like, if you need one visual novel, one story-based game, buy this one. Buy 13 Sentinels. I highly recommend it. Like, imagine like if you were, like, it's like a combination of all the great sci-fi novels and great films like The Matrix combined together into an original video game packaged by the developer VanillaWare. That's all I can say. It's it's a really good game. And to cap it all off, the Overwatch 2 beta PvP mode is actually happening right now. The official beta is coming out end of this week. I think by the time the podcast is out, you get to actually sign into this uh, closed beta testing phase. So right now, the only changes is they added a new character named Sojourn, Railgun shooting character, DPS character, some characters get a bit of like a reworking and whatnot. Doomfist, who was a very famous DPS character, is now a tank. Orisa has been reworked. Many other characters have been reworked. And instead of having a 6v6 mode, it's now 5v5. And they introduced a new mode called Push. I wish I could tell you more, but I actually haven't touched it yet. I'm only going to play it when the you know the beta actually comes out on the day itself. I believe that's on the 26th of April.
0: Hmm. How long will the beta be be
1: around? it'll be around until Blizzard says, oh, we're done, basically. That's how, that's how they roll. They have no cut-off date as I as we speak. They will probably announce a cut-off date like three months before it cuts off. So we'll see how that goes. Um, Though the actual release date of the game, that's still up in the air because Blizzard hasn't yet to make
0: any announcement on the retail version. Okay. Otherwise, the game is, I guess, going well. I mean, the development of the game is going well. Well, I'll say this. A lot of
1: the... The response to the beta has been very overwhelming to the point where some journalists like myself cannot get in right now. We only can play it on the day itself. That's how much how that's how big it is. Because Blizzard has to give priority to like the pro players for this especially. Because they want to continue the Overwatch League secret. So makes sense to actually get more experts into playing the part two before other people get to play it.
0: Yeah. Okay. Yeah, regardless, it's gonna be big when it's it's gonna be released eventually, right?
1: It won't be as big as when the game launched in two thousand sixteen, but it will be big regardless. It'll be big, especially what's going on in Blizzard. And but that's another story for another day, lah. So,
0: <laughs> um, what about me? Do you have any like any exciting lineup uh scheduled for me?
1: Well, there should be. Well, I guess there should be reviews for Aodan Chronicles Rising and Loot River coming out. But these are indie games, or you know. Games created by not-so-big studios from Japan and Europe. In terms of really big titles, I'll have to get back to you on that, maybe on the next show. But for now, these two games are the ones I'm looking forward to. Um, Ayudan Chronicle Rising, which is a 2D platformer spin-off of an upcoming RPG in 2023. And Loot River, which is basically a top-down isometric action RPG with a Tetris-like sliding mechanic.
0: You're tuned in to GG Well Played and that was Jonathan Leo Content Director at Kakuchopore.com summarizing some of the biggest news and releases in April. If you'd like to check out more gaming news and reviews you can head over to their website Kakuchopore.com If you'd like to listen to this episode again look for the podcast on pfm.my our app available on the Apple App Store or Google Play and also Spotify. Do share your thoughts and the games that you play via our email ggwp at pfm.my Don't forget to also follow the station on Twitter at bfmradio. My name is Sanif Baharuddin thanks for joining us Joining us, game on, and please take care. This has been Gigi Well Thank you for listening to this podcast. To find more great interviews, go to bfm.my or find us on iTunes. BFM eighty nine point nine, the Business Station.